This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, who were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy. So you see, we've been adopted. We've been adopted. Later on, Paul's going to write in this section, he's going to say we've been grafted in the olive tree. There is a lot of confusion over the concept of being chosen by God. Does this take away our free will? Why does God choose some and not others? As Pastor Eddie confronts these questions in today's message, we can come to understand God's sovereignty a little better. We won't fully understand in this life, but God loves all of us. To be His chosen ones does not mean that He has rejected everyone else. But those that reject His choosing in this life seal their own fate. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 9 for today's edition of Running the Race. Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn. When he said blessed, really mean happy in the Greek. Happy are those who mourn. Now, that may sound weird to you because I'm mourning. How can I be happy? You know, I mean, I don't have multiple personalities. That happy and blessed to be mourning is the reason to mourn. It's not because you lost someone. The mourning is happy are you that you mourn because there is sin. It should affect us. Our heart should be in sync with God's heart, not only for the loss, but the fact that there's even sin. When we have the same heart, as his heart, the Holy Spirit will too be a witness for you because it's not your heart you're seeing. When I surrender my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, I invited him into my heart. The Holy Spirit's into, in my heart. He did a renovation, removed everything that wasn't of, of the Lord. And now that heart is now in sync and it's beating with the heart of God. And that should always be our goal, saints. That should always be our goal, that we want to be one with him. And that if his heart is beating, you know, it's like, you know, if somebody were to play the drums, look at it be, and, you know, you ever see those people that are trying to clap between? No, we, we want to be in sync with the Lord. When we see a person, and I, this question is something for you to ponder, take home, maybe meditate it from you, and, and take it home. When you see someone that, that doesn't know Jesus and reject Christ, family, friends, co-workers, when you see it, what is in your heart? When you know that they are not saved, when you know that they don't believe in Jesus Christ, did, did it ever occur to you that if you really love your friends and you really love your family, you really love your neighbors, and you really love people in the world, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it occur to you that, hey, I, would not, I want nothing bad to happen. I want no harm for them. But do you understand that if we just let it go, if our heart's numb, it's not beating with God, if we don't care about their salvation, that's eternal damnation for them. Do you care? Do we care? Does the church care that our friends are dying and people are going to hell? That's the truth. I'm sorry, I'm not here to tickle your ears. That is the truth. 
And so this is why Paul, he, you know, he's expressing his love for his fellow brothers. And, and I, you know, that is my prayer. That is my prayer. I said, Lord, I want my heart to beat with yours. I said, may my spirit be the same in your, as your spirit. And I pray that that would be your prayer as well. We can't be selfish Christians. Say, okay, well, I'm at peace. I, I, you know, I went and I repented. I'm going to church. And now, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know about anybody else. I don't care about anybody else. That's, that wasn't the heart of Christ. That's not what we're called to. Jesus said, be a witness. He says, I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continued grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed for Christ, for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Paul's love for his brethren. This is how much love he has for his brethren, for his fellow Israelite was so strong that if it were possible, if it were possible, he was willing to be forever cursed. He was willing to be cut off from Christ so that they might be saved. Can't, I don't know about you. Can we say that about anybody? Lord, I, I'm willing to go to hell, be condemned <laughs> for my family, you know, for my children, for, for, for my neighbors. For my, I'm willing to be condemned if it were possible. That's why he said, I only could wish. Now, we know that giving up our salvation will not and cannot cause other people to be saved. It, 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 that's not the way it works. But that's why Paul says, for I could wish, because Paul knows theology. We're studying, you know, uh, his writings inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is impossible. So you, you, you can't do it for your brother. You can't do it for your sister. You can't do it for Aunt Susie or Uncle Tom. They need to make that decision for themselves. No one can make a decision for someone else's salvation. That's why we don't believe in a baby baptism when they do that. In, in other denominations. And once they die, it's too late. You can't do it. You can't say a prayer from heaven. They had their chance. That's why Paul said, I could wish that I myself were cursed for Christ for my brethren. You know, Moses has met, had offered God the same thing. The same thing with Moses. Back in Exodus chapter 32, you'll find that when Moses was coming down with the tablets, uh, the commandments, the children of Israel, during the time he was away, the children of Israel, you know, they turned away from the Lord into idolatry. So the Lord said, listen, I hear something down there and I know it's not good. Moses goes down and what did they, they do? They formed and they, and they created a golden calf and started worshiping an idol. The Lord said, that's it. I'm going to wipe them out. <laughs> they saw the hand that I, they saw how I dealt with Pharaoh. They saw how I set them free from idolatry, a a world full of idolatry. They saw the waters depart. When they were hungry and there was no food, manna came from heaven. When they were thirsty, water came from the rock. And I've been nothing but good to them. And I showed them everything that was impossible according to science. They knew it was supernatural. And now they turn to a golden calf. Moses goes back up to the Lord. And this is the heart. And I think the Lord wanted to see the heart of the deliverer, the promised one. Because Moses is a type of Christ, you see. He wanted to say, listen, Moses, you still want to be, he's just testing Moses here. Moses goes before the Lord in prayer for his people. And in Exodus chapter 32, 31 and 32, it says, 
He says to the Lord, oh, these people have committed. Oh, he said, oh, Lord, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, he says, if you will forgive their sins, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. That was the heart of Moses. The same heart as Paul. The same heart that you and I should have. For those that are lost. And we see that, you know, just to think about, just for you students of eschatology and times, the book of life, how did Moses know there was a book there in heaven with his name? That's talking, that's talking about the book of life. Book of life, saints. All just like Moses, willing to be a curse. However, no one can be a curse for anyone. Not Moses, not Paul, not anyone, even who is willing. It is not possible. It is not possible. That's why Jesus in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, is there any other way for salvation for man to go to heaven to be with you? Is there any other way? It wasn't only the fact that Christ was saying, Lord, I'm going to be separated from you in this. They've never been separated. It's not so much that Christ was going to suffer great persecution, but he was inquiring, Lord, is there another way? Is there someone else? Is there another way? Not my will, but your will be done. So we know it's not possible for any man, nor was it necessary. However, there is only one and only one who has already been accursed by God in order that Jews, both Jews and Gentiles, you and I might be saved. And it was Jesus. He was accursed for us. He was accursed for us. In Deuteronomy 21 tells us that anyone who is cursed, cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. Paul quotes this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is anyone who hangs on the tree. Paul quotes Deuteronomy 21. Back to Romans. He says, verse 3, for I could wish that I myself were cursed from Christ, from my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh. Verse 4, who are Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Christ came, who is overall the eternally blessed God. Amen. Here in verses 4 and 5, Paul lists seven spiritual privileges privileges which belongs to the people of Israel as God's chosen nation. Seven privileges are listed here in verses four and five. Now, we also need to get this out of the way. I shared a little bit about replacement theology, but there are some, when they hear the word chosen, you know how we are. We, sometimes, hey, my race and my culture is better than all the every other culture, right? We always have that. And so, when it comes to God cho- choosing a people, why couldn't he choose the Irish? Why couldn't he choose the Mexicans? Why couldn't he choose the Chinese? Why did he have to choose these people? Listen, when we look at all that the Jews have gone through throughout history, even what they're going through now, do you still want to be the chosen people? You know, I love the musical, Fiddle on the Roof. I have the DVD. I could watch that anytime. I love it. I love it when the character Tavia, Tavia, right? 
I like when he talks to God. He talks to God like his friend. That's the way I like to have my prayers. It's not like, oh, Lord, how will it be that? No. I said, Lord, you know, it's, that's the way. I, I love that. But there's a point, in, there's, there's a part in that musical where he says, I know, I know, I know we're the chosen people. But once in a while, can't you choose someone else? And I'm pretty sure that was the cry of many Jews, in the, even when they were in Egypt, in slavery. You want to be the chosen people? Now, the Jews were not chosen because they were more righteous. They weren't chosen because they were in numbers. Specifically as to why God chose them, he didn't say, um... Oh, yeah, that one stands out. No, the Bible doesn't tell us, but the Bible does tell us that it was because of God's sovereignty, God's love. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, the Lord, it says, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor chose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For if you were the least of all the people, but because the Lord loves you, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. That is it. We tend to say, well, why are they chosen? And that's where, you know, the anti-Semitism creeps in. Who are the chosen people? Think about it. Later on, we won't study this, this Sunday. We'll probably, Lord willing, we'll study the next one. And we'll find out that, you know, think about it. You know, Paul says, not all are Israel of Israel. Can I tell you this? Not all who say they're Christians are Christians. It's the same way. It's the same way. And so, you know, thank God for the Jews. I am so grateful for the Jews because when I study the Old Testament, I learn how I too can fail God. I look at all the examples in scriptures through the nation of Israel, how they reject God to show his mercy over and over again. His love, his grace delivered us from the bondage of sin and, and delivered us from the world as he did with Israel, delivered them from the bondage of slavery from, the, from, the, from Egypt. And you see how God is consistent with you and I. The children of Israel were chosen because it was God's sovereignty and it was God's love. They were chosen to bring forth the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ had to come through some generation, right? It doesn't matter. Always big, someone's going to say, why not me? And God wanted, to, wanted a people in this world to set an example to show and prove that there is a God. To be a light in a dark world. And so that is the same for you and I as Christians. We are supposed to be a light in this very dark world. That when they see you, they should see Jesus. When they see how you react, they should see Jesus. When they see how, you're, you, how you behave, you know, you're online and, and, and the line is long and people are just murmuring, murmuring and you're just, you know, singing hymns or, you know, sharing about Jesus on the line. So who cares? You know, the, guy, the Lord got me in this line for 20 minutes. I got 20 minutes to share the gospel. You know, they see this and you set an example. And as God has chosen Israel, we forget that God has also chosen us. We just study this. We just studied Romans chapter 8, just one chapter back, verses 15 and 17. Paul wrote, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Who can cry, Abba, Father? Not the world. When people say, oh, yeah, we're all God's children. No, we're not God's children. We're all God's creation. You're going to be a child of God if you accept Christ. But we can cry out, Abba, Father. The world can do that. You, 
believers in Christ been adopted, you can cry out, Abba, Father. We could go to God the Father and say, Abba, term of endearment, and that's what we call him. You can't call a stranger dad, you know? I have three girls that could call me dad. If some stranger comes out and says, hey, dad, um, my daughter's going to say, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm going to say, oh, okay, where do you come from? <laughs> it's, not, it's not normal, right? Unless, you know, you just call him his nickname. But we, who we cry, Abba, Father, verse 16, the Spirit himself bear witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. And so not only with God, we joint heirs with Christ. That means that whatever Christ is benefiting, we're going to benefit as well. Not that we're going to be above Christ. Or not that we're going to be God like Christ. Don't get that out of God. What God is saying is, listen, you know, I love you like I love my son Jesus. And Jesus is going to be in glory in heaven. You two will one day will be united to him as the bride. You will share the glory with him. And you're co-heirs with him. And heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, saints, listen. Don't get caught up in who's chosen. Say, listen, yeah, let them be the first ones. Let, glad, yeah, another people. Don't choose, don't, Lord, I'm chosen now. Thank you, through your son, Jesus Christ. Peter also writes in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, you were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now obtained mercy. So you see, we've been adopted. We've been adopted. Later on, Paul's going to write in this section, he's going to say, we've been grafted in the olive tree. Oh, that's great. We're grafted in with Israel, with those that believe in Jesus Christ. And so when we look at these seven uh, 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 spiritual privileges, that God has for Israel, let's look at them, there are seven. He says, verse four, Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption. And the Old Testament uses the metaphor of the adoption to describe God's selection of the nation of Israel as his chosen people. Exodus chapter four, verse 22. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Hosea chapter 11, verse one. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Took us out of the world, same way. We came out of the world, we've been adapted. The same way. God is consistent. Aren't you blessed? Aren't you excited that God is the same? God shows no partiality to anyone. It doesn't matter. Irish, Italian, Puerto Rican, doesn't matter. We're all the same. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8, it says, For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 1, you are the children of the Lord your God. And to just also, you know, understand that this is not just any adoption. This is the adoption. This is the adoption. When you look at it in the Greek, it's talking about the adoption, not just adoption. Is the adoption. The second privilege they have, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory. The glory speaks of God's Shekinah glory. The visible glory of, of, of God. It shows God's presence among his people. Like when the Lord led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of cloud, uh, fire by night. That was the Shekinah glory. As a matter of fact, um, the word glory is Kabad, kabad, which means weight, substance, heaviness. So it's not just some vapor as we see the clouds in the sky. 
Yeah, that's what we use it in, in our English term. But it's something that's heavy, a substance, something that waits. As a matter of fact, the Shekinah glory of God is so real and so powerful that in 1 Kings chapter 8, you read the story. The Shekinah glory was so heavy that the priest could not continue to minister in the temple. We couldn't go into the temple. It's just too powerful for us. It's just too powerful for us. The Shekinah glory was in the temple. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 10, 11, it said, And it came to pass when the priest came out of the holy place, that's the holy, the holy place, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not continue ministry because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. That same Shekinah glory. Remember, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is where Christians lack because we, don't, we, we forget that God is, since God is consistent, his word is consistent. The word tells us no longer that we, he dwells in temples made by the hands of man. It's not in this place. Yes, when we're gathered together, we see it and we feel it. But you know what's the temple? You're the temple. Can it be? I mean, I'm trying to, you know, parallel the two. You know, if the priest came out of the temple because of the Shekinah glory, and if the Shekinah glory is in me in this physical temple, what's going to come out? Anything that's not of God. But the only way the Shekinah glory could come in and do the work of the Father if we allow him in. You see, the priests were in the holy place. They're in the place where they had to be. We need to be in the place where we ought to be in order for that to be in us. So God could shape us, fashion us, and mold us. So the children of Israel were, were able to see the glory. The adoption, the glory, the third privilege they had is the covenants. The covenants. So the adoption, the covenant, um, the adoption, the glory, the covenants. And this, rever- this uh, re- is referring to the various covenants made with the children of Israel. We have the Abrahamic covenant made through Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. When the Lord said, I'll multiply your descendants like the stars in the sky. Come here, old man. You're almost 100. <laughs> I'm going to multiply you to say, oh, really? Okay, yeah. But Abraham believed it. Believed it. That's why the Lord used him. Then we have the Mosaic Covenant in Exodus chapters 19 to chapters 24. It talks about the, the commandments, the law. Then we have the Davidic Covenant through David, 2 Samuel. God promised through David and Israel that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, would come from the lineage of David and the tribe of Judah. And he will establish his kingdom forever. You know, as some people say, you know, and some of the Jews will have that conversation with you probably today if you have the heart of sharing to, to Jews. And they say, well, we know that the Levitical tribe is where the priest would come. Yeah, but Melchizedek told Abraham, right, that he would, the Messiah would come from another. And God confirmed it through David. It's not the Levitical priesthood. It's through Judah, the tribe of Judah. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of Romans with us here on Running the Race. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today and that you're eager to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to listen to more messages by Eddie, visit our website at runningtheraceradio.com. There you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. for Bible study, worship, 
and getting to know each other better. Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. Right now, Tracy has some information about how you can be a part of the ministry here at Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. There's much more to learn from the Book of Romans on the next edition of Running the Race.